0: Holiday House Books Young Readers, Speech Publishing Company, and Pixel Inc. present Michael Genhart and John Pata, author and illustrator of Spanish is the Language of My Family. In conversation with Holiday House Associate Editor, Alex Aceves.
1: Hi, I'm Alex Aceves, Associate Editor at Holiday House. And today for the guest book, I'm joined by children's book creators Michael Genhart and John Parra. Michael Genhart holds a Ph.D. in clinical and community psychology and has a private practice in San Francisco. He's the author of 11 picture books, including May Your Life Be Deliciosa, which was a Pura Belpre honor book. Thanks for joining us, Michael.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And John Parra is an illustrator, fine artist, designer, and educator, best known for his award-winning picture books. Among many other accolades, he has received the Pura Belpere honor three times, including one for Frida Kahlo and her Animalitos, written by Monica Brown, which was also named a New York Times Best Illustrated Children's Book. Hi, John. So glad you could join us.
0: Oh, thank you for having me.
1: So Michael and John are here with me to celebrate the Spanish language and discuss the creation of their newest picture book, Spanish is the Language of My Family, an empowering intergenerational story of family ties, cultural pride, and healing. The book has already received five-star reviews. Kirkus Reviews called it, quote, tenderly tremendous. And Publishers Weekly said it was, quote, a moving picture book that tugs at the heartstrings. Spanish is the language of my family is now out in English and in Espanol as el Espanol es la lengua de mi familia. Michael and John, welcome to the guest Um, book.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. and Thank you for that beautiful introduction. And we're uh, <laughs> thrilled to be able to talk about our book. Thank you.
1: Amazing. So I wanted to start by asking you, Michael, um, how you came up with the idea for this book, which is an, a question that authors have to field all the time. But in this case, especially, I really wanted to talk a little bit about how you came up with the concept of building the story around. This big event the uh, National Spanish Spelling bee, which really plays as the sort of um central uh, tension of the story uh, where where did that idea come from where did um, you get inspired to write about that
2: so the the I, we have to go back to my my childhood because the story actually came from my mother this is her story and the story of so many people. When I was a kid starting school, my mom would talk about when she was a child starting school, her first language was Spanish. And at that time, the, uh, the rule in public schools, this is in Southern California, was English only, no Spanish. And uh, the kids before her, many generations after her, were really shamed and humiliated. Uh, for speaking spanish in school there were real attempts at erasure and uh, significant shaming and so she would tell me this story through tears right and so i of course i held on to that story for the longest time um you know with real sadness and and then when i i uh became an author uh In my 50s, this is one of the stories that uh, I thought, wow, this sure sounds like a picture book, doesn't it? Um, Seriously, I thought, oh, gosh, how am I going to tell this story to children uh, about children, right? Uh, Because it's really important for me in many of my books to tell the truth to children about, you know, things that have happened in, in history. In any case, I started doing some research and two significant things popped up when I started doing research one was a video that i found that some college students from trinity college made in 2001 where they interviewed these children who are now grown right and all of these actually were educators in texas so they were kids in texas and uh they told their story and as i listened to this video i was listening to my mother all over again right echoing the same kinds of stories, where kids would be spanked for every Spanish word that they spoke, they'd be sent home, they'd have their mouth washed out with soap because they told they were told their language was dirty and ugly. So that's what I mean by significant shaming. It was really awful. So it was so powerful for me to watch this video. And uh, the second thing was, David Bresenio's story popped up David Bresenio started the National Spanish spelling bee and he started it because his parents went through the same humiliation and shaming and he took that really and uh, and so he grew up without speaking Spanish as well because one of the consequences was that those children grew up and stopped speaking Spanish to their children because they didn't want their kids to go through the same shaming so that's why you see in this country significant amount or um well quantities quantities of of Latinx um, boys and girls men and women who don't speak any Spanish in any case he wanted to reclaim <laughs> the language and and turn this more into a celebration of, of the the language so he started the National Spanish spelling Bee in 2011 in New Mexico, where he grew up, and it's, what, um, 12, 13 years old now, and uh, kids from all over the country, Spanish-speaking and non-Spanish-speaking, have joined in the the spelling bee. And so once I learned that, I thought, okay, I'm going to use that as a structure for this story. And uh, in this story, as you know, a little boy enters the National Spanish Spelling Bee, and his grandmother helps him with the spelling words. And through the studying, she starts to share what happened to her. And I tell her story through the spelling words, right, that they're studying, right, so that it's a, a layered story. And, and because uh, you you have to have a soft touch, you know, because it's such a tough subject, but still um, not skirt over the issues either. And so I tell her story through the spelling words.
1: That's really beautiful. I can say that I think part of what has made this into such a lovely book is that it the story just has so much heart. And I really do feel like you can tell that this was, you know, written with a lot of love and drawn from a very sort of intimately personal story, a very personal experience. Um, so thank you for sharing that story. That's um, that was really moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to ask you now, John, um, Not everybody knows, unless they work in the industry, that uh, that illustrators are often attached to a picture book after the text has already been completed. Um, I think sometimes in the best cases, picture books are like perfect harmony of text and art. And I think that is very much the case in this book. So it can be kind of a surprise for people to learn that the um, that the illustrator um kind of came onto a project afterwards. Um so I wanted to ask you John how you got involved with the book and, and kind of you know what was it about when the project came your way? What was it about the manuscript that made you decide that this was uh you know something that you wanted to work on?
0: Um well two two reasons really that really uh, stuck out for me when I read the manuscript Michael's manuscript um uh, that one was this was an experience that also experienced my was, was an experience that happened in my family. Uh, my aunt Irma, uh, would tell us stories about how she was also shamed before speaking Spanish. And, uh, we were very close growing up with my aunt Irma. And, uh, so those, those personal experiences that she had, uh, really sort of affected me and i thought about that and when you hear those personal stories you don't realize that that experience is uh experienced by many many other people but because you know it's such a personal story that she tells me um it feels like it's just her her story um so we don't realize that it's it's actually happening a lot and i didn't quite realize that until the book was published and i started receiving emails and messages from other people who had experienced the same thing, so that just shows you the power of, of books and in children's books. Uh, the second thing that I really thought stuck out uh, stood out in this book was um, the idea that I didn't know that there was a national Spanish spelling bee, and um, and how what a celebration it was that, um, this was, was happening. And I thought, wow, this is wonderful. These young students, um, practicing Spanish and learning how to spell well and very difficult words because, um, in Spanish you have, you know, different accents and, um, you know, um, enunciations for things and you have to spell it a certain way. And, I'm not even an expert at all at this, so I think it's just fascinating uh, to me to learn about this and celebrate this as a as a way of sort of um, kind of redeeming um, those sort of um, those hurtful things that have happened in the past when it came to um, erasure of language and, and and the shame that was happened before. John and I had a, an event at
2: the National Postal Museum about a month ago, which was really a thrill and um, lots of fun. And we met a contestant uh, from the spelling bee. She, you know, we were signing books and she was in line with her parents. And she came and said, I was just at the spelling bee. And we're like, but we, she was thrilled to meet us. But we were, I think, more thrilled to meet her. And it was so, so cute. And uh, so she talked about her experience and David Budiceno was really thrilled to introduce our book as a spelling bee um and talk about the connection between the two. So that was a super fun um opportunity to meet meet this young girl.
1: Yeah, that's really fun. Who who's the celebrity in this encounter? That's, Hard right, to say, that's you know? right. That's right. She, so she was, she was. <laughs> 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 yeah i um, i i went to middle school and high school in albuquerque new mexico where the where the first one happened but uh, a little bit before i will say a little bit before 2011 so i never got to participate but uh um yeah it was just so amazing for me even to learn about you know one one really fun thing about being an editor um is to sometimes work on a non-fiction picture book and have your eyes open to a, a whole thing that you didn't even know about um and you know, you you talk a little bit about your mom's um, experience in the back matter, um, and I wanted to just mention that this book does have really lovely, extensive back matter that is just so great, such a great resource for you know teachers and librarians and parents reading through this book with their kids because it is um, such a lovely balance of a really um, triumphant story and but also like a very a very difficult subject um and so you know you both mentioned that you've heard from uh from readers since the book has been published um which doesn't surprise me at all i think what's really interesting about what you're saying is that both of you felt that the story was maybe unique to you or your family and then learned that actually many people had gone through this and uh that doesn't surprise me at all you know i mean spanish is it's currently the second most spoken language in the u.s um that native Spanish speakers account for something like 13% of the population and and yet that has come hand in hand with so many attempts over the decades in this country to achieve cultural erasure through the prohibition of the Spanish language so of course lots of people in this country have stories like this um so if you if you wouldn't mind sharing i would i would love to hear uh, from either of you about you know some of those responses now that the, now that the book has been out you know what have readers been saying about why this story matters to you and um, how it resonated with them uh, John do you want to go first
0: Well yeah I mean I just just a, about a week ago I received a an email from someone involved I believe um, because I have a show at the Fresno uh, Museum of Art up there right now and she was saying that her um that she went through this, this experience. And it was just, it brought it all the way back to my aunt again. And she was talking specifically in Los Angeles, how this happened to her and why she, what she felt, what she felt like um, and just the, the feelings that she felt and how it took her, you know, a long time to kind of get over those emotions, or maybe you don't get over those emotions, but it's always with you. But it, she just felt so proud that now this story was being told, um, in a children's book or in, in, in any format, I guess. But, um, you know, now that she can feel proud about it. And that was the kind of the redemptive part about, about the, the email that I really it made my heart feel warm and good, I guess, uh, that, this could be something now that we are celebrating and, and moving forward in a positive direction.
1: How about you, Michael?
0: Oh yeah. Everywhere I go
2: and, and like the museum experience when we were signing books, every person, every other person had a story to tell uh, a similar story. And I, I think it's important to underscore we're talking about trauma generational and historical trauma uh and and the uh legacy of trauma and uh, across many generations and so people come to us telling their story right their family story also through tears right and and really what they're so they're responding to you know the the aftermath um of this trauma Um, But they're also, I think, so grateful, right, to thank you for telling our story, is often what I hear, right? And so that kind of representation in books, in books for kids, uh, and and the grownups that read these books to kids and so forth is so important. So I think people feel seen, heard. I think there's um, a respect piece to that, right? Thank you for respecting our history through telling uh, this untold story, right? Um, and so um, that's what we—I I get a lot of gratitude, right, and appreciation for telling an upsetting story, but through telling the story, I think I hope there's an attempt at healing, right? That's offered, and ultimately a celebration. Mm-hmm of the the language and the culture because i wanted i wanted to write something that sort of took it back you know took back what was taken you know uh through uh pride right and um so i i hope we accomplished that
1: well i guess i'm a little biased but i certainly think that you did and just hearing you both talk about uh, the experience of making this book and to hear you use words like triumph and pride, but also, you know, trauma and healing, I think really kind of gets at what makes this book so powerful. It is really, um, walking uh, or sort of balancing simultaneously. Yes, this joy and celebration and love and, and generational using language to connect across generations, but also in a very real way that isn't at all trivializing or, um, assuming that a young reader can't handle this information, being very honest about this, this trauma and about this sort of, um, very harmful experience that so many people have lived through. Um, and actually I want to ask John about this a little bit too, because, um, Finding a way to balance sort of celebration and trauma. Uh, I mean, let you know, languages. Um, you know, that writers are language is the pr- the purview of writers, and so for Michael, that was all playing out through the text. Um, and so I'd love to hear from John, how did you in the art find a way to sort of balance the kind of two tonal moods of this story? How do you illustrate um, difficult topics? And then how do you use visual rhetoric to, to convey joy and pride?
0: Well, I mean, honestly, because of the there's sort of two parallel stories going on at the same time in the book. And so when the the boys on the page with the, with the grandmother, with the other students, especially during the spelling bee, it's a very bright and colorful, um, you know, it's, it's maybe even more saturated colors that are going on um, and just visually a little bit more busy and active um, sort of moving forward. Um, But when we look and we hear when Abuela is telling her story, uh, reminiscing, if you will, of her experiences when she was in school uh, there's a more muted palette to it um, going back, almost like you were um, sort of not just, you know, I mean, it's it's a technique used, I think, in movies as well when they sort of, you know, do flashbacks. But but it also has a symbolic um, meaning in in this sort of situation as well, that we're sort of muting the language even, you know, muting her memories, muting her culture, muting all of those ideas. So I thought that kind of played off, uh, conceptually well, um, um as a, in a visual sense. Um, so those were some of the thoughts that I was thinking about. Um, someone also caught it. I was doing a book signing in, in DC at, uh, at politics and prose and they were saying, you know, John, I see, I noticed that also, um, that there's colors representing, uh, red, white and blue colors, uh, uh, throughout the book because this is, you know, it's, it's about let, uh, you know, um, the spanish language and and latinx culture but it's also a, a story that happened here in the united states and what it means to be an american and what it means to kind of be open to all cultures and all um, and celebrate all of our our day di- our diversity if you will and so visually i think about those things when i'm when i'm creating art and how i want to make sure you know many different people are represented throughout my art Uh, And their background uh, visually, Um, because that's my that's the way I communicate is through pictures and through art uh, specifically. Yeah,
1: that's such a great point. Sorry, go ahead, Michael. I'm just
0: super
2: grateful for John and his incredible artwork. John is, in my opinion, super humble, (laughs) And his his work is incredibly beautiful, and the depth that he brought to this story through his artwork and the details is exceptional. And um, I'm, I'll be forever grateful to you, John, for your um, for the work that you did and oh, thank you. you brought this story to life even more. Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah, the, the detail is really amazing. I was thinking about, as you were talking about the sort of the inclusion of the red, white and blue palette and the idea that this is ultimately really a very American story because in obviously Spanish speakers in Latin America don't have to feel a certain way about speaking Spanish. They're just sort of speaking the same language as everybody else. Um, I was thinking about the, ba- the boy's backpack in the, I think it might even be on the title page. He's got He's got a backpack and he's got like a soccer ball and a pile of books. And then he has the American flag and the Mexican flag on his, on his backpack or something like that. It's like a, a USA patch and a, and the Mexican flag. And I think that really, from the very first page, you are, you are, you know, including all of the key sort of context that I think readers really need to unpack, unpack this story. Mm-hmm. Am I remembering right? <laughs> Yes, correct. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Maybe I should have had a copy of the book next to me. Um, So I also wanted to mention, first of all, I feel like it's my duty to say that I was not the editor of this book. That was the brilliant Neil Porter, who is just a a master editor of children's picture books. Um, But I was really fortunate to get to work as essentially the editor of the Spanish edition, El Español es la Lengua de mi Familia, um, which we published simultaneously with the English edition. Um, And so I got to, you know, hire a translator and edit the translation and kind of communicate with everybody in-house to make sure that the that the translated edition was going to get out on shelves at the same time as the English. Um, And so I would be remiss in my duties if I didn't ask you um, to talk a little bit about El Español es la Lengua de mi Familia, so I wanted to um, ask you first, Michael. Um, you know, sort of how how you felt when you heard that we were going to do an edition in Spanish, and um, kind of what that process was like for you when you were um, when we were working on the the translation.
2: Well, I didn't know that it was going to come out in a Spanish edition at the same time, which is unusual, right? And so uh, it was a thrill actually to to learn. Wow. They're kind of be released at the same time. So I think given the subject matter, you know, the content, it made sense. But still, to make that decision is incredibly supportive of of a book. Um, So I was very, very happy about that. And when I received uh, the author copies, both English and Spanish, the first call I made was to my mom. And uh, and, uh, so I said... Hey, they came in the mail and she said uh read me the spanish version and um i um so i did i hadn't seen it before of course and so i read it to her and um she was just quiet and i said mom are you still with me are you <laughs> i are you okay and uh She continued to be silent and she just said, I'm I'm just remembering, you know, what happened. And so. um, And then she said. You did a good job, you know, and so I was I could exhale at that point, right, because, you know, I needed to pass the mom test. She had heard the English version, of course, uh, uh, a few years earlier. Anyway, uh, in that silence, I have to say, it felt uh, kind of healing, you know, for for me and for her to hear her story, the story of many people in Spanish, right? Uh, and for for her son to write it, you know, and to tell the story that now others, as we've been talking about, will relate to or hear for the first time. And so it felt to me in that moment, this movement from shame to a kind of pride, which was really what I wanted to accomplish. And so I'm I'm grateful for this Spanish edition and for that moment, for sure, because of what it offered my family and I, I hope many other families, too.
1: Oh, that's certainly our hope as well. And um, just sort of speaking as the person at Holiday House who is responsible for getting our Spanish language book program going. I hope that everybody hears what you said and realizes why it's so important to do books, especially simultaneously, because then there's a sense that we as the publisher are treating these two sets of overlapping, but also slightly different readers with slightly different needs is equally valid and equally important. Yes. Um, so I'm really glad that to hear that your mom experienced the book in that way, that makes me feel mm-hmm. like, um, my own small role in making this book happen was, mm-hmm. it was meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, so John, I know that you were less involved, um, in the translation. Pro- I, I did, I think email very briefly with Michael when the um, translation was being copy edited, but uh, you and I didn't uh, communicate in that process at all. But um, in a way, it kind of feels to me like this art was created with Spanish speakers in mind because you have all these details. You know, we have been talking about the the level of detail in your illustration, but I want to talk specifically now about the sort of references to Mexican culture. You use the the Corazón Sagrado, the the Sacred Heart imagery, and there's papel picado, which is a sort of um, a a style of paper decoration used in Mexican culture. Um, So, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit from you how those decisions came about and how you chose what you wanted to feature in the illustrations in terms of the cultural texture.
0: Well, I wanted to, you know, to pick identifying items and images that, um, you know, that I grew up with, you know, um, and uh, my family grew up with that uh, we saw and celebrated, uh, picados are, you know, were definitely um, put up during the celebrations and, and, you know, they're, they can be strong on the, on the banners and, and displayed. And, you know, and they, they were for weddings, quinceañeras, baptisms, christenings, all sorts of things, you know, a, as we grew up. So I thought, you know, because of the, the Spanish spelling bee, what it'd be kind of like a fun celebration to have. So using those images, uh, specifically that one uh, kind of made sense to me. Um, also the, 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 the sacred heart, uh, milagros, um, you know, like, which are, are, you know, small religious, you know, kind of, uh, folk charms you could find throughout Latin America. Uh, but specifically the sacred heart, you know, which represents love, healing and gratitude. And I think those three things really kind of sum up what's kind of going on in this book. And, um, so I'm always thinking, visually i think i i communicate so, so much better visually than i do sometimes speaking um just the way my brain works um especially when i was young i mean that's kind of how i i was um uh, communicated best was through my art and speaking through my through my art um and so so finding those images to um uh, that people would identify with the culture uh finding the things that meant were meaningful um, were really important to me in this book. And I felt that um, that uh, the, the images used sort of were the best ones I could find for that.
1: Well, that certainly made the process so much easier on our end as the publisher. Sometimes when we're working on a Spanish edition, we end up having to make a, a lot of modifications to the art to make the sort of visual landscape make sense with the translated text. But in this case, there was almost nothing. I think we changed like an exit sign, <laughs> and well,
0: uh, one or there two. Were post- there were a couple posts. There were a couple posters in the background, I think, and uh, words. Yeah, but we, you know, we, we had
1: most of the posters were in English and in Spanish. Like the the sign up poster for the spelling bee was in both languages already. So, correct. Sure. Um, yeah, so it was really um, a, a kind of ideal scenario for translating a picture book because the art already felt like it was perfectly in space in, in place for a Spanish edition. So that definitely made my job a lot easier. <laughs> um, so way, John, I, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I just
2: wanted to add, thank you, John, for your brain and how your brain works. We, we, all, <laughs> we all appreciate it. Definitely. Thank
1: the <laughs> the non, the non-visual thinkers amongst us, that's me. Um, definitely appreciate it. <laughs> Um so I wanted to throw a sort of fun question out there because we have been talking about how this book is among other things a celebration of the Spanish language even in the way that um words are Spanish words are highlighted are spelled out and then are literally spelled out and spread out across the art um and it just you know it's such a beautiful language and I think this book so successfully captures why it's um, why it's such a beautiful language so I wanted to ask each of you if you wanted to share with me your favorite word in Spanish and why um Michael do you want to go first
2: yeah I think it's that's a fun question it's hard to answer that so I I guess what comes to mind is a book I'm sorry a word that's central to the the book and may, maybe I'll spell it how about that um r-e-e-s-t i'm sorry r-e-e-s-p-e-t-o respeto because i do think respect is at the heart of this story alongside as we've been talking about what's central to the the story orgullo, you know pride and sanación healing and dignidad dignity so sorry i threw in more than one word but uh yeah I think respect is
0: at the heart of the story.
1: Well, it's a great language. It's hard to choose just one.
0: Uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How about you, John?
0: Um, Well, I I wanted to pick a a word from the book uh, to kind of narrow things down. And I love the page where the boy is practicing. And it's uh, a practical, which is pretty just a simple word. But it's very powerful because when I speak to students, you know, in art and, and talk about art, you know, just because I have an interest in art, um, if I want to get better, I always ask them, if you want to get better at something, what do you have to do? And it's, it's practice. You have to practice at it and work at it. And it's sort of like a, a fundamental ethos of, of just, just in what, you know, preparing for you, preparing for you to be an artist or preparing, you know, in all in areas of life. It's like you, when you work at something, you get better at and get better at it. Uh, there's a sense of pride also. And I think that's sort of why I like that word in the book.
1: Yeah. And it has so much significance too, I think, to um, bilingual people and to Spanish language learners in the U.S. Um, because you do also have to practice your your second language if you're not you know, speaking it regularly at school or out and about, and that does become a big part of uh, being able to retain um, or to learn the Spanish language more quickly. Is but, that you You've got to practice.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, that particular yeah. illustration is super powerful, by the way, because it comes after you know his, the little boy learns what happened to his grandmother, so he's 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 uh, approaching the Spanish zombie with. Uh, even more motivation right determination determined yes, he's
1: very de- he's a very determined little boy at that point
2: <laughs> and thank you thank you neil seriously oh, i mean yeah oh, thank you is, <laughs> thank you neil uh, he yes. made this happen right he was uh, obviously instrumental in saying yes this is a story to tell and um i have to say you know this is a book that other folks were interested in uh other houses and and Neil and and many of those houses actually wanted the uh the real uh difficult parts of the story not told they wanted it they wanted it to be a lot softer and so when it it landed on Neil's desk and and I asked him about that uh he said no oh no 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 we'll tell the truth and And kids need to know the truth, and so I'm so grateful to Neil for for making this happen
0: um
1: because this is the guest book, we always like to end by asking our guests how uh, you would like to sign our guest book. Just a final thought from each of you about the book or about um the story that you're telling or about what we talked about today. Uh, I would love to hear how each of you would sign our guest book. Michael?
2: I, I as we've been talking about, I really do hope that kids take away not only knowledge of the history of what happened, but ultimately a feeling of celebration and um, a reclaiming of the language and culture that they can feel proud of. So I would say something like, viva el espanol uh viva la dignidad right because i want to underscore the language and the and the sense of dignity that i hope
0: that uh comes across
2: in the in the book
1: that's amazing Mm
0: -hmm. john um, well, I I was gonna say that um, because you know kids uh, we sometimes we forget kids communicate in many different ways. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was a visual communicator when I was young, and and so to everybody, to all the young people, and and especially arts young art students out there, I would say you know keep drawing and enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm.
1: It's important to keep practicing. Practicar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you both so much for this amazing conversation. It really was um such an honor to work on this book and I already was just so blown away by the book and and by your work and now that I've spoken to both of you about all the care and and thought and um passion that went into it, it means even more to me uh, to have been, you know, part of the process of getting it out into onto shelves um in my own small capacity and i really appreciate how candid you both were and how much you both spoke from the heart about these very personal stories and i know that all of that uh, that went into this book is just part of why the book is doing so well and is going to i'm very confident go on to so much more success and acclaim um so thank you very much from me and from everyone at holiday house for that
2: thank you
0: Thank you, thank you alex